In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt, and this is Ideal Remake. Welcome to a very special holiday episode of Ideal Remake. Sam, what are we talking about this time? We are talking about a Shane Black classic. We are talking about the Long Kiss Goodnight. When Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan were married to each other, they wanted it to become a thing that you could have action movies with female leads. Good, because I think this is a good example of that. Yeah, they were definitely uh, a good 10, 15 years ahead of their time. Absolutely. I don't think it was until Charlize Theron came along that... uh, Well, no, because there was the Wonder Woman TV show, there was the Xenon Warrior Princess TV show. But not movies, though. But not movies. Right. Were there no movies? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Tell you what, if you, dear listener, can think of a awesome, badass female character, like action hero from a movie, let us know in the Ideal Remake Facebook chat. Pre-1996, when The Long Kiss Goodnight came out. Okay, 1996? Yeah. Perfect. All right. That's facebook.com slash ideal remake. How did you first come across or see this movie? I believe I saw The Long Kiss Goodnight in the theater. I was living in New Orleans at the time, I believe. So um, a lot of my memories back then are a little bit hazy. Huh. Uh, New Orleans will have that effect on a person. How did I wake up with all of these beads? Well, I have very nice nipples. And... Uh, <laughs> There's no point in keeping... Listen, they're pink, they're quarter size. Why are you still on this bit? Beautiful. Like, they're they're gorgeous nipples. And Nothing about this is fun for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Fun for me. Yeah, I'm sure I saw this in the theater, but it wasn't a movie that I ever felt the need to revisit until you brought it up as something we should talk about for the holidays. Because, uh, like you pointed out, most Shane Black movies take place during the holidays. The reason why I asked is, do you remember the days of Netflix DVDs, like actually getting DVDs in the mail? Oh yeah, absolutely. That is how I first saw this movie. This was back four or five years ago now. And it was um, one of those things where I was just kind of like scrolling through Netflix and it was one of the suggested titles. And it was Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson were in a movie together? Sure. And I ended up having a couple friends over. I had a future friend of the show, Zach Luna, and uh, our other friend, Kim Brujink, over. And we were just like, this is probably going to be a bad movie. Well, let's just sit and watch it and we'll just enjoy a terrible movie and we'll kind of laugh and have fun as we watch it. And then all three of us loved it. Really? Both Zach and I went out and bought the DVD. So I have the DVD and I watched the DVD uh, last night. I think this was the third or fourth time I've since watched this movie just because I think it's so much fun. You really like this movie a lot more than I do. I love this movie. What specifically about it do you like so much? Don't get me wrong. It's not a perfect movie because as we'll go through this, we'll certainly talk through that. But it's one of those things where everything about this movie just strikes me as fun. It's, I mean, because I like movies like The Bourne Identity and this is The Bourne Identity, but Gina Davis is Jason Bourne. And I like the back and forth between Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson. There's nothing about it I don't like. Their chemistry is definitely the high point of the movie. Did you not enjoy the movie? I'm not a big Gina Davis fan, and I'm not a big Sam Jackson fan either. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of those people. But I think they were they have a lot of decent enough chemistry together. And I like Shane uh, Black as a writer as well, too. His more recent stuff, I, I think it's funny that this is one of those movies that his peers kind of gave him crap over because he ended up being one of the highest paid screenwriters because of stuff like this. And the script isn't that great. I think it can be considered that great because, again, it was one of the first female action movies of the time, and it doesn't feel like the first female action movie. It wasn't like, she's a woman doing wacky things. Oh, Gina. Yeah. It was like, no, she's good. She, this is, like, she is an actual threat. That's why this stuff's happening. And it was just, I, I agree it's not Shakespeare. It's not going to win a Pulitzer or an Oscar. But I think just taking it as it is for the time that it came out, I think that it's, it, it does deserve that kind of money because it is a movie that can be pointed to as, well, look, here's a good example of a good female-led movie. You know what I think maybe my disappointment was is that I really like Cutthroat Island which was the Rennie Harlan, Gina Davis joint the year prior. I think maybe I just didn't like it compared to Cutthroat Island. But they're different movies. That's true. And I have two follow-up questions. Okay. One, who is Rennie Harlan? Two, what is Cutthroat Island? I'm glad that you do research about the movies that we watch. Rennie Harlan (laughs) is the director of the movie. And Cutthroat Island is a pirate movie uh, starring Matthew Modine and Gina Davis that Rennie Harlan 
uh, directed the year prior. And I believe that he basically just said, what if we switch the Matthew Modine and the Gina Davis parts, have them play each other part? Matthew Modine is the damsel in distress and Gina Davis is the swashbuckling pirate hero. Oh, so then that movie is the movie that predates this one in terms of awesome female leads or whatever. Right. And I'm going to write in and tell us this in the future past. Perfect. Okay, so let's walk through the plot. All righty. The movie opens up on a handwriting, writing a name, and other weird uh, insert shots, uh, stock footage of things, and oh man, guns. And then it basically opens on a, a Christmas parade, right? Yep. So Christmas parade, Gina Davis is Mrs. Claus. People are like hooting at her. She throws candy. And then voiceover, because we all know that voiceover at the top of a movie is the best way to do a movie. Basically, she's saying, here's the setup. Eight years ago, I washed up on a beach, didn't know who I was, had no memory of anything. Also, BT Dubs was totes preggers. Direct quote. Right. And so she talks about how she kind of like, despite that, despite only being eight years old, she kind of found a life. She works as a teacher in a school. She's been raising her kid. She found some guy who fell in love with her. And I couldn't decide if that was creepy because she's like, I'm eight years old. Here's the dude I'm banging. But I mean, like, she's totes an adult or whatever. So yeah, she's hired a bunch of private eyes to figure out who she actually is, but all the expensive ones didn't work. So she just started kind of moved on to the cheaper ones. Uh, And that's where we meet Samuel L. Jackson. He is busting into some seedy motel where a guy is, has picked up who he believes is a prostitute. Samuel L. Jackson busts him, extorts him for money. And then the person who's playing a prostitute turns out to be a secretary who's a pretty darn good detective in her own right. And they figure out kind of like they get information about who Gina Davis is. And Samuel L. Jackson is going to go tell her how exciting. Meanwhile, creepy guy who's bald and doesn't have an eye is sitting in jail 25 feet away from the TV. The TV's in a cage. He's watching a random Christmas parade in a town he does not live in. And it showed a a real long shot of Gina Davis as Mrs. Claus saying, boy, she's pretty. And then he freaks out from, again, 25 feet away. TV's in a cage because he somehow recognized her like, oh no, it's that lady. I'm freaking out. I have no composure. And then he breaks out of jail. He was just waiting for the right um, fluff piece on the local news of some other place. It's like it's like he was the only one in that jail because he was in the TV room. I don't think that was his cell. I think they saved money on jail setup because they were going to be using that money later and how. Yeah, the poorly composite people <laughs> outrunning fire. Yeah, we'll get to that, but... That was, that's not how, A, that's not how grenades work, and B, that's not how physics works. No. <laughs> and it happens. No, not at it all. it happens twice. Really bad. I love it. Well, we're already in a world where, um, where there's superpowers. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Pro- evil property bro. We, we now see him. He's been told that one eye has broken out of jail because they spotted who's her face on the news, uh, and evil property bro is torturing some guy for information and then stabs him because evil property bro can tell when people are lying. That's his superpower. He's a lying cat from the comic book saga. Well, right. Yeah. Good reference. Thank you. And then shit gets real. Gina Davis uh, has a car accident, kills a deer by snapping its neck. Then she's making dinner and finds out that she has uh super chef powers and then the one-eyed guy breaks in and she kills that guy the same way she kills the deer before she gets in the in the car accident as she's driving home as she's driving the drunk guy home because just kind of like their casual one-liners and everything in this movie are amazing she tells the drunk guy why don't you blow some bubbles and say hick now and again he's like i'm not drunk but before even that her her boyfriend guy has the line i'm proud to say that i don't smoke drink or swear and he says oh shit i do drink and smoke And I don't know why, but that tickles me every time. There's so many lines in this movie that I kept wondering, is it the line that stinks or is it the actor delivering the line that stinks? Neither. They're wonderful. Ugh. Because the nice guys in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang have the same sort of cheesy lines, but the actors in those movies really make them work. Like, Brian Cox has the line about the animal licking its butt, and I almost stopped the movie and sent you a text saying, no, we can't do the long kiss goodnight. I can't do this anymore. But and then I started wondering, like, I think Russell Crowe could have probably said that line or Ryan Gosling and it would have worked. So maybe it's just Brian Cox isn't a a great actor after all. No, but that does get that we, we so Brian Cox, 
also like the the stuff that Sam Jackson finds includes uh, a phone number for Brian Cox. So Gina Davis is able to call Brian Cox and say, "So." what's my name so what happens is basically gina davis gets in a car accident and bangs her head and so all this stuff starts coming back to her she has a moment in uh the hospital while she's recovering where she has this weird how did i write this weird mirror post-rock music video (laughs) oh so that wasn't just the quality of uh how i was watching it it really is weird oh no the the like like i said they were very careful when budgeting their special effects and when she's remembering stuff her remembering stuff is like on a cliff in a green screen room with like weird cg thunder clouds rolling all around and she's about to bust some sick guitar licks yeah so then Gina Davis starts freaking out and starts reverting back to her old, like, assassin ways. She's, like, talking to her daughter, and the daughter's like, I'm scared of going skating. And Gina Davis is like, you're going to skate. You're going to skate, and you're going to like it. Life is pain. And the daughter goes, and then she just kind of casually tilts over and breaks her arm. It's the weakest arm break I've ever seen. Like, it like it was the second viewing of this movie that I even realized. I was like, why is her arm broken? Did she break her arm since uh, Gina Davis went away? I'm like, and Zach was like, no. She fell on when she was ice skating. I was like, that's what did it? That was embarrassing for her. But then we get a scene with Sam Jackson and his kid because Sam Jackson's not a good guy. And his, uh, I assume, ex-wife doesn't really uh, respect or want him around because she thinks he's a bad influence. And I don't... Well, he's a criminal. Yeah. And he has a moment later in the car with Gina Davis where he's talking about how he became a criminal and he went to jail. Like, he had this he had this partner who really didn't they didn't get along they didn't get along and the partner's conveniently away and some savings bonds go missing from the partner's locker and Gina Davis is like they planted those savings bonds on you and, he, and Sam Jackson's like oh no I stole them right I thought that was great because like yeah you could have been like ah I'm, I'm a framed guy like no no I did a bad thing Gina Davis is at home one eye shows up he's has a gun behind a bunch of carolers Gina Davis and one eye get into a whole fighting thing and somehow she manages to overcome the obstacles and snap his neck real bad where and uh that's when sam jackson shows up and he's like so what happened and she's like we should get out of here and he's like i agree uh and then she shuts down sam jackson being a misogynistic prick which is good and very gina davis and then they go and they met meet uh say his name again brian cox brian cox thank you so here's my fan theory gina davis is wolverine okay because as we remember from x2 Brian Cox is William Stryker, the guy who made Wolverine. And in Long Kiss Goodnight, Brian Cox is the guy who trained Gina Davis, the super badass who lost her memory and is desperately trying to recover her badassery in the snow. Ooh, so like, uh, instead of being Weapon X. She's Weapon Double X. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Sam jokes. Nice. (laughs) You know what? You get one on the board for that one, Sam. Yes. Uh, I'll take it. Okay, from here on out, we refer to Gina Davis's Weapon Double X. Perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then Sam Jackson freaks out because he spent four years in Marion, Illinois, in a prison that was a real shithole, and then he shouts, I'm not going back. It's great. I wrote, Property Bro has a weird superpower. Uh, And so basically, before Gina Davis met Brian Cox, uh, all of the bad government guys showed up to basically kill her because they don't know what she knows and better to just moiter her than do anything else. Uh, And Brian Cox takes them away. At which point, they dive out of this hotel um, because someone threw a grenade upstairs and it explodes in a a wall of slow-moving fire. Right. Back in the 90s, fire moved a lot slower. Here's my question to you. Do you know how grenades work? I'm not sure, but I do know that this movie uh, seconds what I learned about how amnesia works from Gilligan's Island. (laughs) That if you get hit on the head a second time, your memory comes back. That's true. Trauma fixes brains. So grenades work because they explode shrapnel. So it's not the fire and the explosion you have to worry about as much as like flying pieces of metal that are going to embed themselves in you which you can outrun totes well we can't outrun but but gina davis and sammy jackson well gina davis has very long legs that's true and i my understanding is that samuel jackson is also very tall i believe it this was one of those movies where like after we watched it with uh zach and kim we kind of turned to each other was like this is the only movie where i've ever seen someone be more badass than samuel jackson and the person being more badass than Samuel L. Jackson is Gina Davis. 
And that's great. I think what's interesting about this movie, too, is I think this is the start of movie makers just letting Sam Jackson be Sam Jackson. Right. This is two years after Pulp Fiction, and he doesn't really have any, like, Sam Jackson-y movies between Pulp Fiction and this. But after this, everything he does, he's pretty much just Sam Jackson. (laughs) He's just such a naturally charismatic person that why would you want to stifle that on screen? It brings so much. I know you're not a big fan, but I absolutely am. It's one of those that I'm not not a fan either. It just bugs me that he's notoriously kind of a a jerk to fans. And it's like, come on, man. Be nice to the people who uh, are happy. I have not heard those stories. I've actually heard of him being pretty nice, but I do not doubt you. I believe you. Uh, So they meet Brian Cox and he's telling them this crazy story about how Gina Davis is an assassin. And they're like, that guy's crazy. So they uh, knock him out, steal his car and drive off. And Gina Davis drives off to meet whoever. She finds this postcard of someone that she was engaged to. And they go off to meet that guy. And they're making nice and everything's going great. And then Brian Cox shows up and he talks to Samuel Jackson. He's like, no, engaged means that he was a target. That she was going to kill that guy. And they're like, and he and Samuel Jackson are like, oh, no. But that's right when the bad government guys show up again to, and like basically shut them down, knock them out. Right. At which point, Gina Davis wakes up, essentially in her underwear, tied to a wheel in a barn, and they're going to torture her by lowering her into freezing cold water, because that's going to drive anyone nuts. I'm not that familiar with cold, but I do know that in college, I had to do, like, a challenge where I put my hand in a bucket of ice water, and I think I lasted 12 seconds, and I was real proud of that. Here's some weird trivia about that. Rennie Harlan tested out how long Gina Davis could hold her breath in real life for that sequence by holding her underwater in the bathtub. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I wonder why they're not married anymore. I hope he told her about it beforehand, but if he didn't, oh boy. Yeah. She's taking a bath and she's like, hey, uh, Rennie, have you put any more thought into me being the lead? Blah, 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 (laughs) blah. That's messed up. Because I'm watching this scene thinking, how long can Gina Davis hold her breath? Because she's tied to that wheel. She ain't going nowhere. Right. I literally wrote, man, filming this torture must have been torture. And there's no reason to even really see how long she could hold her breath because they cut to one of those uh, memory coming back scenes. Yeah. The the post-rock music video scenes. Right. This is one of her big, you know, it's a literal baptism. She comes out of the water and she's, you know, completely developed her super mutant weapon double X powers. Yeah. So she's basically back to the way she was. She's basically, her name was Sam something and now she's back to being Charlie Baltimore. Sam Kane, by the way, an uh, anagram for amnesiac. Is it really? Yes. Fantastic. That is a quality joke. That's solid writing. I'll give Shane Black credit for that. Absolutely. Naming characters is hard. It is. I have a lot of characters named Paul on accident. It's not important why. So what happens next is uh, property, evil property bro leaves and uh, Charlie Baltimore uh, get, escapes using the because brian cox is dead and he was there in the water with her and she steals the gun from his crotch and shoots bad guy it's a gun that's drenched in water it should have one shot that's it and yet she keeps firing it because they don't know how guns work it's fine um can i go back to the naming conventions by the way sure shane black really shot his wad with the anagram for amnesiac uh because sam jackson is mitch hennessy and then the bad guys are tim luke one-eyed jack (laughs) That's true. They are very, well, they're cover names. I'm sure they're not their real names. They're good uh, James names. All right. No, you're right. They're terrible, terrible names. So basically, Gina Davis busts out. She rescues Samuel Jackson, who for some reason is naked. Uh, And they- Wow, I didn't even get that on the YouTube uh, version of this. Oh, yeah. He's naked, tied up in a basement barn somewhere. And, like, you hear the sound effects of Gina Davis, like, going and killing a bunch of people all over the place. And he's just kind of, like, shivering in the dark. And then she opens the, the basement door and she's standing silhouetted in the light and he can't tell it's her. And then he basically passes out and wakes up in a really nice hotel and Gina Davis is cleaning herself off. And here's the thing. It's a big transformation because all of a sudden you reveal that she's super attractive. And I was like, it's it's a weird thing in a movie where like they go from like, ah, Gina Davis to, oh my God, Gina Davis. 
because all of a sudden she's dressed completely different. And I realized that they did that on purpose because I remember thinking early in the movie that it's weird that they keep commenting on her looks and they keep commenting on how she's like kind of frumpy, kind of like house momish, not dressed very well. And then they do this flip where she's like, oh my God. But I mean, it's obviously it was the same Gina Davis the whole time. But I think that they were doing these really kind of misogynistic lines to like it put in our head. She is frumpy. She is frumpy. She's not attractive. And then bam, when all of a sudden they do the turn and surprise, Gina Davis has been attractive this whole time. Yeah. What a surprise. That's that's one of my biggest problems with the movie is there's really not that drastic of a transformation. Like she doesn't really seem kind of very motherly when she's supposed to just be the Pennsylvania mom. By the way, your name anagrams to shag scam. And don't you know it? Yes. Now, and I guess that's Sam Gash as opposed to Samuel or Sam, uh, my middle name, but, uh, but good. I love it. Shag scam. Right. But the first time we watched the movie, I can, I'm only speaking for Zach and I, but that turn worked on us. I haven't seen, like, at that point, I hadn't seen that many Gina Davis movies. I think I'd seen um, Laverne and Shirley, and that's it. What? What does Gina Davis have to do with Laverne and Shirley? What's the one I'm thinking of? The one where they get in the car and they- Thelma and Louise? Thelma and Louise. Okay. I get those two names confused. I only, I'd only seen Thelma and Louise. Before this, she did Thelma and Louise, where she ends up, you know, kind of becoming a badass- well, I, I guess she did Beetlejuice before this, and I saw Beetlejuice for the first time three months ago. Oh, okay, but she's kind of a mom in Beetlejuice. Yeah, and I saw um, A League of Their Own for the first time sometime in the last year. What a great movie! That is she's a really like good movie. The star athlete in that, so that, right. that's kind of why I didn't really buy her as you know. Sure, absolutely. For you, that transformation doesn't work because you are familiar with this particular actress and her body of work. Right. I was looking up. I was really hoping that she would have been in an episode of Laverne and Shirley. That would have been funny. We've been on this for a while, so let's see if we can power through the rest of it. She's freaking out because she doesn't remember. She doesn't like being who she is. And then she goes walking on the streets of Toronto like, ugh, terrible. They filmed in Toronto. You want to know how I know? Because it takes place at, well, how do you know? Because when she's walking around outside, coming to grips with who she is as a person, she walks past a marquee that's like a flashing light in the background, and I know where that is. That's Honest Ed's. Okay. It's a big big store in downtown Toronto. Oh. Because I've, I've been there. I've never been inside. I wanted to go inside, but the rest of my family was like, we're too fancy for such things. Pish posh Honest Ed's. And I was like, but no, they've got a giant sign. Is this not working on you people? And it was not. Oh. Yeah. It made me sad. Mm, I'm sorry. So basically, people are trying to kidnap and kill Gina Davis because they think they know about Operation Honeymoon, which is a fundraising effort because they want to stage a terrorist attack. So the government pumps a bunch of money into, I don't know, what are they, the CIA? Yeah, they're supposed to be the CIA. And basically, they give this whole big thing. And it basically, don't show this movie to anyone who's a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Don't they make uh, a reference about doing something to the world? No, no, they couldn't. This is They did. They did exactly that. They talk about how the first time someone tried to bomb the World Trade Centers in the early 90s, they talk about how like there was a massive increase to uh CIA funding and how his, the the particular guy who did the the bombing, his uh passport had been approved by some CIA guy, and I don't know what was going on, but I was like, "Oh man." Uh, conspiracies yep so they end up meeting uh, a key basically gina davis's daughter ends up getting kidnapped by the evil cia people she tracks them down and they bust in to go rescue her but they get captured she gets locked in a freezer and they reveal this whole plot uh she busts out because um the bad cia guy gave the the daughter a uh a doll that pees and gina davis loaded it up with gasoline and set stuff on fire i guess uh and they rescue Samuel Jackson. And it's at this point in the movie when my suspension of disbelief kind of goes out the window a little bit, much like Samuel Jackson, who got exploded out a window and walked away. <laughs> right. You know, speaking of things out the window, at the beginning when she throws her daughter out the window, that was great. That was pretty great because she was protecting her daughter from one-eyed Jack. Her daughter, by the way, it was in Shane Black's most recent movie, playing the porn star at the beginning. Was she really? Yep. Oh, no. I didn't know that. That's crazy, because she's not good in this movie. No. If she's the 
the person I think at the beginning of Nice Guys, I believe she just gets killed in the opening scene. So, you know. I, I yeah. believe that. Yeah. And I assume they're friends. Yeah, that is funny. That's kind of weird, though, if you think about where Shane Black is like, hey, you know who I ought to get to play this porn star is that little girl that I worked with 20 years ago. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that those aren't his only two interactions with her. I don't know. Shane Black doesn't work that much. He's doing the new Predator movie. He did Iron Man 3. Well, her name is Yvonne Zima. And she was also in Iron Man 3. So you're right. Was she really? So they have at least one more interaction. What is she in Iron Man 3? She played Miss Elkridge. That doesn't help me at all. It doesn't but yeah. help me either. Well, because he's his first big thing is Lethal Weapon. He does Lethal Weapon, Monster Squad, Lethal Weapon 2, Last Boy Scout, Lethal Weapon 3, Last Action Hero, Long Kiss Goodnight, Lethal Weapon 4, seven years of nothing, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But apparently during those seven years of nothing, uh, that's when he was um, alcoholic and recovering from that. Yeah, and recovering from the fact that his peers were mad that he made so much money. Right, and apparently he blew a lot of that money away. Humble brag. That, well, that's what he said. Like He said that at the talk back, too. He was like, I made a lot of money doing these things. I made so, so much money, and we did these things. But then I didn't work again because everyone hated me, and I blew all the money on like booze and, and nothing. So then he needed to work again. So he basically got back into it in 2005. He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang 2005. And then didn't work for another eight years until Iron Man 3. That's crazy. Must be nice. Those are some long weekends. Yeah. Whew. So the little girl climbs into the truck where they're, that is basically the bomb that they're going to be exploding. And then Gina Davis ends up hijacking this truck and trying to drive it away. And the truck crashes. And at which point I'm like, that little girl is dead. If slowly tipping over on ice broke her arm, being in, an, in a <laughs> crashing truck, this girl is shattered. Right. Well, no, by now her uh, superpowers that she's inherited from her mom are starting to kick in. Yeah, that's it. And so then Gina Davis gets in a fight with evil property bro. They kill each other or whatever. They they kill each other and then they come back to life and they kill each other and they come back to life. And then Gina Davis sends a little girl running and then she comes back is like, Mom, you have to wake up. I believe in you. And then Samuel Jackson, who had been like knocked out and put in a car for a reason I don't remember – he comes to and he saves them and then everyone's happy. And then the president calls and says, Hey, you want to come back to work? And she's like, no, no, no. And the president's like, cool. And that's the movie. Yep. I'm going to go have, what is it? A goat farm at the end? I don't know what it is. So she has a bunch of money that she had like basically saved up when she was an evil assassin. But here's the thing. She's basically got like the husband and the daughter how quickly does she become incredibly bored with that and just go right back to assassinating? Oh, yeah, definitely. And she should start with Sam Jackson because of that Larry King interview that he gives at the end of the movie. That was a pretty bad interview. What, what's his line? Uh, I, I, I try to be frank and I try to be frank and earnest with women. When I'm in Chicago, I'm frank. When I'm in so and so, I'm earnest. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's remake Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. Let's start with the obvious place, the lead. Who should the lead be? I really think it should be someone believable as a mom. I agree with that. I mean, here's the thing. You, I, I, I don't think we should cast Gal Gadot, but I think Gal Gadot is good casting for this, specifically because like she's the badass Wonder Woman, but we also all know, like one of the big things everyone knows about Gal Gadot is that she is a mother. Right. But I don't think that's necessarily what you mean. I think you mean kind of like the Midwestern mother stereotype. I was thinking Melanie Linsky. I'm looking up who that is. Melanie Linsky is most, this year is in a movie called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, where she just <laughs> plays kind of a a frumpy, uh, I believe it takes place in the Midwest, Midwest kind of woman who... Uh, her house gets broken into and she and Elijah Wood kind of go to get all of her stuff back. And she ends up doing a pretty cool character transformation while still remaining who she is. But I think it would be really neat to see someone who's just average in the best possible way transform. And then they become, you know, the badass CIA agent because Years pass from her training, so she isn't going to be in peak physical condition like Gina Davis is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they're like, oh, look how big her butt got. Like, no, she's there's not an ounce of fat on her. Like, you can't just say it and have an audience go like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, right. She's... I think that's a good call. What we need is basically someone who can be the Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor from both Terminator and Terminator 2 at the same time. Right. We need someone who is both of those people in the same movie. And I and I think that I don't know this particular actress, but if you think she can pull that off, I'm not opposed to that. She's a phenomenal actress. Um, that's my biggest thing with her is that she's really, really amazing. And um, in the television show Togetherness that was on HBO, she plays just a suburban mom. Nailing that part of it. You know, through special effects, you can have anyone look like a badass. Like, none of these actors are really badasses. It's just done through, you know, careful editing and stunt doubles and stuff like that. And One of my favorite quotes is from the actor who plays uh, Ron Swanson. I'm trying to think of his name. Nick Offerman? Nick Offerman. Because uh, he talks about how, like, yeah, everyone sees me as kind of like this symbol of manliness. But in my family... I'm kind of the froofy guy. They all are this person for real. I'm the I'm the guy who moved to Hollywood to go act. Yeah, and I think he, Nick Offerman has a certain amount of uh, Ron Swanson in him. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a carpenter. And- Absolutely, and he's way more than me. I would never be anywhere near sawdust. <laughs> uh, so well, let's, let's, well, speaking of Nick Offerman, let's cast him as Hal, the husband slash boyfriend, whatever oh, that, role that, that is. That is good casting for him. Great. Cool. I, let's yeah. keep that. Because, good. Awesome. Uh, I am very happy with that. Now let's talk about Mitch Hennessy. Here's my pitch for Mitch Hennessy. Donald Glover. Okay. Because we need someone who kind of is, can do like the running and gunning. Basically, somewhere in between... We, we need someone who can be the badass while also kind of being like the wide-eyed, oh my God, what is happening right now guy. Yeah. And I think he can do that. If you have a better suggestion, I'm open to it. You know who I've been really impressed with is Chris Redd, uh, the newest member of SNL right now. He's also in Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. I love that movie. Like, he, um, I know we're going for the ideal remake, but... I'm personally a little over Donald Glover. Never. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I'm not saying that he isn't great. He's great. But maybe it's because I'm watching Atlanta right now and I'm like sad Donald Glover <laughs> is the more current thing in my head than crazy funny Donald Glover. I always want to say Don Glover because of his uh, Twitter handle. Mm. It's Don Glover, but it looks like Don Glover. Ah. Um, but, yeah, I I really like Chris Red. Like, he just has... Are you watching SNL right this season or no? It's it's on so late, and I'm either doing something Saturday night or I'm asleep. <laughs> you don't have Hulu? I, nah, I have so many TV shows I need to catch up on that SNL is just not one of them. I'll, yeah, If there's, a, if there's a sketch that's good enough that gets filtered to me, then that's pretty good. Like, I need to watch uh, the... The new Welcome to Hell song. I haven't watched that yet, and I know I need to. Yeah, it's it's decent. Yeah, the episodes this season haven't been all that great, but Chris Red is so funny. And I think he's great in Popstar as well. Well, because the thing about Mitch Hennessy is that he needs to also be a little bit of that, like, that 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 little bit broken. And Yeah, because I- yeah, there are those scenes with his son mm-hmm. that... Yeah, you know oh, what? No, you might I, be right. Who's the actor that just got... Let's come back to this. Um, so Okay, we'll come back to it. We also need a new Brian Cox. We need Brian Cox. We need Evil Property Bro. Um, Are you talking Tim when you're talking Evil Property... Craig Bierko? Yeah. Okay. Timothy the bad guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know who I... Just because I think he's become the quintessential bad guy ben foster i think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who plays a bad guy better than ben foster these days he is he he's he's in hell or high water 310 yuma the messenger let's take a step back because the original version of this movie is that it's a shane black movie which means that every character one way or the other is going to end up having like some quirk or something a little 
endearing about them. Even this guy, who's a monster, like they cast him specifically because he was one of those people who the first scene that he goes in, like the first scene he has with Gina Davis, he's like, oh, you don't remember me. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, kill them. Uh, would Ben Foster... Yeah, because Ben Foster played uh, Russell, the boyfriend of the daughter in Six Feet Under. Oh, I know where I recognize him from. He was Angel in X-Men The Last Stand. Yes, he was. He's also That's in... Where um, I recognize him from. 30 Days of Night. Yeah. He's, and yeah. he was in Freaks and Geeks. All right. If he was in Freaks and Geeks, great. Basically, anyone who's in Freaks and Geeks, I believe they can be quirky. Great. Was he really in Freaks and Geeks? Apparently, he was in two episodes. He was in the pilot, and he was in huh. an episode called Carded and Discarded as the character Eli. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I don't remember him in Freaks and Geeks at all. Interesting. Neither do I, but there you go. So then, great, Ben Foster. Ben Foster, I'm sure, can have a little bit more fun. Okay. Um, the person that I want... What is this new movie called? Uh, the person that I want to make uh, our... The guy who trained her, the actor is named Christopher Maloney. Chris Maloney to play who? Uh, the Ben, uh, Brian Cox. Oh no, it can't be because Brian Cox was friends with her father and that's why he trained her. So it doesn't work. What about, um, well, I bet Russell Crowe and Chris Maloney are about the same age. Well, who's someone even a little bit older? Ah, what's his face? The guy from uh, Men in Black, Tommy Lee Jones. I was thinking, um, Richard, um, uh, Or tell you what, we ignore both of those and just cast Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, but he's supposed to be kind of, um kindly and i don't think um malcolm mcdowell ever comes off as um kindly at all i think he's always like I think he does i think he can be menacing because i think i think brian cox was supposed to be menacing and he just kind of wasn't i think that like it's one of those things where malcolm mcdowell kind of has a sense of humor about the sort of things he's done because i mean he's been in some weird stuff what about uh, this is who i was trying to think of richard jenkins Possibly the best working dad type around. You think Richard Jenkins? Yeah, why not? As Dr. Nathan? Mm, maybe. I. You know who Richard Jenkins would be better as? I think he'd be better as the as the guy from the CIA. He's like, well, I'm not a monster. Which guy's that? It's the guy who worked with, like, the actual CIA guy. The one who's, like, had the scene with the president was like, uh, so here's what's going on. We're going to stage a terrorism. Oh, okay. Was that Leland Perkins in the movie? I believe so. Yeah, Perkins. We can make uh, Brian Cox, the guy who trained her, Ed Asner. Dr. Nathan? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just cuz? Yeah. Cause he can go back and like, cause he can go back and forth between like menacing, but in a fun way. Ed Asner is menacing? Have you ever seen him just like flip out a switchblade? It's unbelievable. Hmm. I think he's one of those people who has a secret edge, but no one really knows, which makes him the perfect spy. We better make this quick. Ed Asner's 88. It's ideal right in this moment. Ed Asner, by the way, was originally cast as Marin's dad in Marin for the pilot presentation, but apparently had such a hard time remembering any of his lines and was just so grumpy and like angry to be there that they were like, yeah, okay, let's, let's not go with Ed Asner if this thing goes to series. Okay. Then that's reasonable. Why don't we just make Brian, uh, that particular guy, Mark Marin. Marin's not old enough for that. No, he's not. He's getting there though. How old's Mark Marin? 50 something. He's a uh, 55. Yeah. He's 20 years older than whoever our actress would be. That's not unreasonable. Yeah, that would work. I, I was thinking, why don't we just give it to Judd Hirsch, since he ended up taking the role of Marin's dad away from Ed Asner. Anyway. I am good with that, too. I actually think, actually, yeah, let's do Judd Hirsch. That's great. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Also, he's one of those actors who's been in serious things and comedy things. He's great. So playing the David Morse role, who's the um, the guy who does the water wheel torture, who should that be? Oh, that could be anybody. Just, well, here's the thing. Uh... That's Luke. Yeah, Luke. I think it should be someone that you could believe, like, oh, maybe they were engaged, and then you find out. What about, um, mostly because they work together on togetherness, what about um, Mark Duplass? I, I think 
And um, I think Mark Duplass is a fun casting, but I don't necessarily see him as the international terrorist sort. I don't. Do you, does he have enough of an edge? Oh my! He's in the movie Creep, and their uh, Creep Two is coming out. Unless it already came out, where he plays a serial killer, and uh, yeah, Mark Duplass can have a really messed up edge to him. But is that the correct messed up edge? Because this guy isn't necessarily serial killer. This guy's more threat to the country kind of thing. Yeah. Well, all he really does is just capture her and torture her. It's true. You're not wrong. Okay, great. Mark Duplass is fine. That works. Okay. Right. Actually, you know what might be more fun? Now, hear me out. Now, you know what? I take it back. I'm putting that back in my back pocket. Never mind. I don't like that idea. Okay. Mark Duplass. It wasn't even for the Mark Duplass now role. So we have our Gina Davis. We're going to talk about Samuel Jackson a little bit. We have our Timothy. We have our Hal. We have our Dr. Nathan Waldman. Yeah. Have you figured out who you wanted for Hennessy? We have Donald Glover penciled in. We can circle back around to that. I think that we've got a couple other things to do in the meantime, because we've got our loop. We also need our one-eyed Jack and our uh, our kid, our Caitlin. One-eyed Jack, I think we should just be like, just some crazy like person who's like always doing ridiculous things. Like someone who's old because they've been in jail for a little bit and they were already like an established crazy person then. Like, I'm not even opposed to giving it to uh, 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 the guy who's Gollum. Oh, Andy Serkis? Yeah. Why not have Andy Serkis do it? Yeah, I think that would give more weight to that, where you'd be like, oh, wow, Andy Serkis is in this movie, and then he gets killed in a second scene, would just kind of make you go like, whoa, that was crazy. You think this guy's going to be a much bigger villain. Right. And then he's just taken out. Yep. Cool. So Andy Serkis is one-eyed Jack. All right. And then Caitlin, the daughter. My knowledge of children is very limited and I have none of it. You know what? I I think this podcast will always serve as uh, good evidence in court if we are ever (laughs) accused of anything with children, because we both always say, yeah, we don't know a lot about kids. (laughs) Um, But here is a laundry list of kid actors. I'm trying Uh, to think of anything that that I've watched with a kid recently. Yeah. A lot of the things that I've seen with kids in them, it's like a son. Here's like this kid who's a son. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Right. Oh, actually, hold on. Cause there was an actress in this. Well, it looks like in togetherness, Melanie Linsky has a daughter. We could just, we, I don't think we should pull from togetherness anymore. I was going to say, cause we can scale her up a little bit, but not a lot. Um, I just saw the movie Wonder over uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, how was that? It was good. I think you would like it, Mike, but you will cry because that's what you do. I love movies like that. The trailer has me, uh, I'm on board just by the trailer alone. Yeah. Um, there was this actress in this movie, uh, named Millie Davis and look her up. Cause she's been in a couple of different things. She was in orphan black. She was in the best man holiday. She was an odd squad and she's a good actress. And I, I don't know how old she is. She's like what? 10. And she's been acting for a little while. That would force us to recast uh, our Luke, but I'm not necessarily opposed to that. Oh, okay. So she would have a black dad then. Right. So I don't remember who did we make Luke? Uh, Timothy, we would have to recast. Okay. Uh, is there another place that we can use him? I guess not in this movie. Do you want to throw Donald Glover in that role? That's not a bad idea. Let's make... That would be interesting. Let's make that actor Donald Glover. Yeah, let's let's have Donald Glover get to do something different. I mean, that's one thing that I really like about Atlanta is that it's showing how much of a range he has and how he's not... Um, what was his character in Community? Troy? Troy. Yeah, it shows how he's actually, you know, someone completely different. Um, Great. I bet Donald Glover could pull it off, too. Cool. So Donald Glover is our Luke, which now means okay. we definitely need someone else for Hennessy. Right. So this – so then while, why don't we go with your original idea for the actor for Hennessy? Oh, go with Chris Red. Yeah. Okay. That could be fun. I like it. I don't know if that will get the – emotional weight but that was only one scene with his kid right but that's kind of like his defining thing because his defining thing is like 
he's doing this despite the fact that he does not want to go back to jail because he will lose his kid for good. It's not one of those things that's ever explicitly said, but basically he's like, he is not going back to jail. He's done the, he made the wrong decision. Every time he's had an opportunity to make a decision, he's made the wrong decision. And we need someone who's kind of like, can be at that point in their life. Someone who's just wrecked. Yeah. But still has an optimistic, positive worldview. Yeah, I'm on board for Chris Red. And you think he can pull that off? Sure, why not? Then let's rock and roll. So now we got to talk about our director and our writer, and we kind of not need to talk about our our zen of the movie. Let's do that first, actually, because that'll kind of inform our writer director. Because one of the things, cause if we were to remake this movie, we'd have to remake it now. And it's one of those things where all of a sudden this woman is being seen on TV for the first time in eight years. I think all of a sudden, because that's the thing, no one really watches like TV news anymore, or they do in jail, but that's not important. Um, I think this is more like like, She's been on the news, she's been on Twitter, she's been on Facebook, but all of a sudden she does something that trends, all of a sudden she becomes viral for some reason, and that's how she gets seen. Right. That's Because that's the modern equivalent. It's being seen on the news, then trending now. Like, she does, like she enters some sort of competition where she makes the best gingerbread house, it's like, oh my god, look at this thing. For some reason she's trending and that's why she's discovered. What's interesting about this movie is Gina Davis's struggle with like kind of the badass person that she was and kind of equating that with kind of like the motherly house mom that she is. And that's a cool idea. It's and it and and I like the idea of saying that someone can be a, a a housewife while also being a badass. It's not something that gets talked about. It's like, well, it's not one or the other. You can be both. You're a rich and diverse human being. This is a human being who can who is more than one thing. We put something, we put someone into a tiny little box, but they're more than that. Like, even when she was an assassin, she was just put into the, I'm just the assassin box and wasn't really allowed to be anything else. And she is a a lot of other things. Right. And I think that's what's more interesting about this movie. And the Mitch Hennessy character, we just said, is kind of like, he's doing this because it's the right thing to do. And he's trying very, very hard. He's just trying to go straight and get his kid back. I really like... The idea when you were talking about um, going viral and it just made me think of like a more realistic take on all of this because the action of this is just so far-fetched and over the top. A movie that I really enjoyed that takes an extremely realistic take on this sort of action kind of movie is the movie Blue Ruin by Jeremy Saulnier and... I think he could do a great job of grounding this in a a much firmer reality. Okay. But here's the thing. Part of what makes this movie fun is that it's not necessarily grounded in reality because they have these ridiculous things happening. It's a Shane Black movie, which means that it's a little bit crazy and fun. It's a lethal weapon style movie. Can he do comedy? Jeremy Saulnier um, writes and directs. I don't know that I would want him to write this, but I think he shoots movies really interesting. His first movie that he did is called Murder Party, which is um, a very dark comedy. I don't think he wrote that. It's just his camera operator. He only has four. No, he only has four. He directed it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he did. Yeah. And that has a very, you know, dark comedy kind of i think he can shoot the action in a way that we would need it shot where it would be fun but also grounded in reality but i don't think he's the right person to write this i don't even know if he's the right person to direct because i mean he's it seems like he's like dark thriller and that's not really what this movie is this movie is more like upbeat fun so this is more this is more like uh 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 this is much more of an Edgar Wright style movie. Yeah, Edgar Wright would do great. And I think he could be our writer director. I like that a lot. Good call. Thank you. Cuz here's the next twist I want to throw at this. Part of what part of the plot of this movie because let's face it, we don't watch this movie for the plot, but part of the plot of this movie is that they're staging this terrorist attack to get funding for the CIA because the president's not giving them funding for is not giving funding for the CIA. But current administration, present day, that's not really what the issue would be. I think that this is the sort of movie where there would be some sort of Princess Bride style setup 
where they're basically setting something up so that they can declare war. And I know that that's similar to what we did for Demolition Man, but I think that that's kind of the thing that's being set up. Like, this is the team that's been hired to trick the populace into believing we have a reason to go to war. Okay. And, and so instead of them staging something as a fundraiser, I think they're trying to start a war. Yeah. It could literally be them launching a missile and like the daughter at the end climbs into the missile or something. Yeah, I think that's more uh, timely to today. So, yes, I, I, I like the idea of the motives behind the machine of this movie being more political than we got to raise money for the CAA or whatever nonsense it is in the original. I, I'm totally on board right. for that. Let's recap Long Kiss Goodnight, what we came up with for our ideal remake. Sounds good. You're the one who wrote it down. Okay. So as Sam Kane, we have Melanie Linsky as her husband slash boyfriend, whatever he was. We have the great Nick Offerman as her partner in crime, or partner in not crime, specifically. <laughs> Chris Red as Timothy, or as you called, property brother. Evil property bro. Evil property bro. We have Donald Glover as Perkins. We have Richard Jenkins as Dr. Nathan. We have Judd Hirsch as Luke. We have Mark Duplass as the daughter, Caitlin. We have Millie Davis as One-Eyed Jack. We have Andy Serkis. And writing and directing the remake of The Long Kiss Goodnight, we have the wonderful Edgar Wright. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. And we dealt with some serious issues in a Christmassy sort of way. Yeah, it's still Christmassy. I think we ought to um, maybe hint even more at the fact that she is Weapon Double X. I think we should because that's really funny. Yeah, let's... Uh... And actually, and the other thing to keep in mind is that with the particular cast that we picked, it might end up being a Hanukkah movie and not a Christmas movie. Is Melanie Linsky Jewish? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Mark Duplass is. Oh, okay. I mean, her name's Linsky. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't see things like that. I, I believe we're all one people. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, Sam, I only judge. <laughs> I was going to say something terrible. She's been a vegetarian since age 10. And I don't know. I'm trying to find whether or not she's Jewish. And I can't find that. Oh. It doesn't matter. I'm an extra in an episode of Togetherness. Are that you she's really? In. Yeah. On, I didn't know you did any extra work. I did when I first moved to LA. Hey, me too. Hey, this is Mike. Sam and I ended up getting carried away and went off on tangents that had nothing to do with the movie, and we forgot to end the episode. So I just wanted to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed The Long Kiss Goodnight, and be sure to check out Sam online at at Sam Gash. Also check out Ideal Remake on Facebook and on Twitter. I trust you know how to do those things. I'm located everywhere online at Off The Mic. Please leave a review or tell a friend about the show. It's a show I'm really enjoying doing a lot. It was Sam idea and I'm so happy he asked me to be part of it. As always, thank you to Lindsay Laris for the cover art and to the Rebel Spies for the theme music. Check them both out online as well. On the next episode, we'll be talking about The Princess Bride. Thanks a lot. We'll see you in two weeks.